This is the most powerful, most intense, practical application and skill development training anywhere. You'll learn how to stay strong in your calling, have a quality life, and build a tremendous lasting work for God. Introducing Dr. Dean Ratke, the founder and CEO of the Ministry Institute and the Maximum CEO Basic Training. Okay, we're going to talk about planning. Change is critical. You've learned that by now. So planning the change is critical. We have to learn how to plan the change. Planning to change. If we're going to change, if we're the change agents and we're developing other change agents down through the ministry, the more change agents you get, the faster you're going to go and the freer you're going to be. So we need to learn how to plan, though. Planning. Now let me ask you, what have, what have I said is one of the most important tools for you? To ask questions. Yeah. So let me ask you one to get the session kick-started here. On the road to the future, do you want to be the windshield or the bug? <laughs> On the road to the future, do you want to be the windshield or the bug? Are you going to impact the future or is the future going to impact you? Because the future's coming. There's, tomorrow is coming. Next month, next year is coming. But are we going to impact it or are we going to let it impact us? On the road to the future, are we going to be the windshield or the bug? And then uh, my son Brent, he's been anxious to participate in this training. And uh, he, said, uh, what, he, he said, ask him this question. What is the last thing that goes through a bug's head <laughs> when it hits the windshield? His butt, yeah. <laughs> Passes through his head. <laughs> All right. That's enough. I'm getting an attitude. He got a bigger laugh than I did. <clears throat> a few scriptures. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Many are the plans, the Lord determines his steps. So in a few minutes, we're going to the mountain. We're going to learn how to let the Lord determine your steps. Otherwise, this is an exercise in futility. And you know those scriptures. Nothing, it doesn't last. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but in the Lord's purpose, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Again, why we're going to the mountain, to find out his purpose for us. The next iteration purpose for us there is no wisdom no insight and no plan that can succeed against the Lord or against the Lord's plan while we're going to the mountain and get all we can from God and hear him succinctly and be able to envision what it is he wants any end well be sure you know the condition be sure you know the condition of your flocks give careful attention to your herds for riches do not endure forever and a crown is not secure for all generations the sheep knowing the condition of your flocks that's a big part of planning where where do we stand where are the gaps 
Where's the condition of our flocks? Where are the sheep? The condition of our flocks. And then this one we've said several times, but it applies, it's so strong. Any enterprise is built by wise planning. That's where we started. Any enterprise is built by wise planning, becomes strong through common sense, and profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. Abreast of the facts. A plan in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out. So you don't plan the ministry. You go to the mountain, you hear from God, he gives you the direction, and then you draw it out. A man of understanding draws it out of those that God has entrusted to him or her. Proverbs 20, verse 5, and you know these. So some of the questions that pertain to what we're, at, what, what we're doing here, number one is, what will be the measure of your success? That's a question you need to ask yourself, and you need to ask God. What will be the measure of your success? And how do you plan to achieve it? That's what strategic planning is. How do you plan to achieve what God tells you to do? We just heard teaching on that. Number two, another question. These aren't numbered, but they're just questions that to get your mind around this thing. What legacy will you leave? And we don't wait until, you know, you're ready to retire, like I said the other day, but you start building your legacy now. You start filling holes tomorrow. And because this is time-consuming, and we have to start filling the holes so that we can build depth and build a locomotive or an engine and we can go the distance with God. And you're freed up to have your personal mandates accomplished. So we have to have a plan, and it begins now. The succession plan begins now. We begin to do today what is going to be necessary to build depth and strength and lasting power in your ministry today. And then, of course, the scripture that you know well, Colossians 4:17, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord. So you're about to receive more when we go to the mountain. And you're there to take heed to it. But we're not taking heed to it if we're not accomplishing it, if we're not evaluating. And see, we're going to plan our course, and then I'm going to teach you how to, we're going to chart the course. And I have a lot of naval analogies still here to come. <clears throat> but we're going to chart the course, and then we're going to have to stay the course. It's not enough to have a course set unless you follow it. And your job is to make sure, hey, we set the course. This is it. This is the shortest distance between two points right here. The shortest distance between two points. This is the course that we're setting. That's where God said to go. And we're going to reach that. We're not going to wander around in the wilderness. We're going to get there. We're going to have a plan that will get us there, and then it's your job to chart, to, to chart the course, stay the course. Your job is to stay the course, to make sure we stay on course to get there. That's what the leader's job is, not to do it, to, char to chart it, to prove the charting of it, and to stay on it. That's your job. The evaluation, continually redirecting their plans, evaluating their plans, coaching them for success, 
commissioning the new things that we're doing to improve the plans. Now, there was a great strategic planner, one of the best, Yogi Berra. He issued a very profound statement relative to the future. He said, the future ain't what it used to be. <laughs> it has absolutely nothing to do with the training. It's just I felt you needed a little levity. He also said something else that's very profound. He said, if you don't know where you're going, you're likely to end up someplace else. And so that, in part, applies. <laughs> so we have to plan. And it's not how many ideas you come up with. It's how many you make happen. It's not how many ideas you can come up with. I see ministries, they got ideas, dreams. Oh, man, we, we've got so many things. But the great ideas are just the beginning. We have to learn how to make them happen. Make them happen. An idea is worth a dollar. But an idea well executed is worth millions. So we have to learn how to well execute the plan. Design the plan, execute the plan. Hope is not a strategy. There's a book, I think, that somebody wrote. That's the title. Hope is not a strategy. And how many times have I heard pastors say, I was taught in Bible college, just preach the word and they'll come. Yeah, they'll come, but will they stay? And will they help us build? That's what we're trying to accomplish. So there's a big difference between having church and building a church. And so we're going to learn how to build a church here. Now, let me make a few points. We're just getting warmed up. I want to get your head around this, and I, I want to draw you in. But we're going to venture out into the deep. We're going to venture out into the deep here. One, let me make this statement. One doesn't discover new lands without consenting to lose sight of the shore for a very long time. Out in the ocean, that's what it looks like. When you're out in the deep, that's what it looks like, a horizon, unless it's dark, and then there's nothing. But in... If you've ever been on a cruise and you're way out there in the ocean, if you've ever been in the military or the Navy or in the Marines, that's what it looks like when you get out there. It's just a line, 360-degree line. There's no frame of reference anymore. There's no frame of reference. And the important thing for us is the frame of reference is our Lord. Stress is not caused by hard work but by the failure to find the right object of our trust. So one does, does not discover new lands without consenting to lose sight of the shore for a long time. We're not just, you know, going to go up to, into our ankles. And then we could jump back if it gets a little too testy. No, we're going to venture out in the deep. Everybody here wants to venture out in the deep for God. And so, but out on the ocean, that's what it looks like. There's no markers. You can't see the shore anymore. You can't see the lighthouses. You can't, even, you can't see the channel markers that would get you back safely. So we're venturing out into the deep. It's just a straight line. It looks like that. So you have to have a plan. Otherwise, you get lost as a goose out there. You have to have a plan. And the plan has to be God's, God's plan. I want to share something with you that I, that I wrote 
uh, when I wrote the first prospectus 12 years ago, that 64-page thing that I, God taught me to, taught me to write, caused me to write, and did write through me, first of all, I want to make this statement so that we understand what we're up against here. Good things, but a challenge, a huge challenge. There's sailing, and then there's sailing. There's sailing. That's sailing. You and I could go out and sail that boat. We could sail that around the harbor. We could dink around the harbor, and we could get home safely. If storms started to come up, we could make it back to shore. We're not that far offshore. We, we can even see the lighthouse or the, or the cliffs over there. You know, they're within sight. They're within range. Or there's a marker channel buoy. It's pretty far out there, but we know where that is. And so we've got a frame of reference, and we can get right back to safety. And there's, so that's sailing. That's sailing. But then there's sailing. That's a different kind of sailing. That's the Coast Guard ship, the Eagle. That's where they train the Coast Guard men. They go on their summer cruise there in London, right next to where Carol and I have the blessing of spending the summer. And there, there they go, out to sea, or coming in. In that case, they're in port. That's what they do. They come, they're all standing up in their, on the yard arms up there at attention. Well, they're not at attention. They've got to hold on. <laughs> but there, it looks pretty sharp. But look at the difference between they're sailing and then there's that. And then look at the difference. And then it gets even more complicated. As you grow and as you build, you, we can't, I can't sail that alone. I, love, I know how to sail. I've done a lot of sailboat racing, and I'm pretty good. But I couldn't do that alone. In fact, you couldn't do that with just a few people. There are some three to 500 people on, on that, that's a, that, that ship. That's a ship. You put a boat on a ship. <laughs> I, learned that, I learned that in the Navy. I, I loved the military. And I extended twice. And it was when the Vietnam War was just beginning. And it was, it was something. And I, I, Carol and I said, you know, I've, I've already extended twice. Now they're asking me to go. They said, you got command of your own boat. <laughs> well, I knew a difference between a ship and a boat. And the boat was on the Mekong River, you know, a river boat. And, uh, but I, I was ready to sign up. But Carol had had three miscarriages. And I felt I needed to be with her. And I put in my time, my six and a half years. And so we made a decision. And I wanted to move on with my career. I did not intend to make the Navy a career. But you learn very quickly the difference between a boat and a ship. And a boat we can dink around in and have some fun in. And I don't think that's why you're here. You wouldn't be here in this meeting, and you wouldn't be sitting here this long, this patiently, and taking such copious notes if you were interested in just dinking around in the harbor. But if we're going to go the distance with God, some things have to change, and we've been talking about that, but we have to know how to plan. We know how to, how to steer and lead a ship like the one you just saw. So I want to read this to you. Matthew 16, you know about that. Red skies at night, sailors delight. Red skies in the morning, sailors take warning. My dad taught me that. I didn't know the scripture. I don't know if he even knew the scripture. I got him saved later on in life, after I got saved. But 
red skies at night, and he'd, I'd say, Dad, are we going tomorrow on that trip? Remember, we were going to go down the coast and up the river to Essex, and can, are we going to go? And I kept bugging him, are we going to go? Is it, I mean, is it really going to happen, Dad? You know, you know how youngsters are. And he said, son, red skies at night will be sailor's delight. Red skies in the morning, we won't be going. Sailors take warning. And I thought, oh, well, is it red yet? You know, is it... <laughs> And we wa- watched the sun go down. I said, it's red. We're going, right? He said, looks like it. So I wrote this, and I'm reading this to you. I want to get this in your spirit and your heart before we start talking technically about how to do this. We know how to discern the appearance of the sky. We are also discerning the appearing signs of the times. We talked about that earlier, the signs of the times. We know how to discern the appearance of the sky. We also are discerning the appearing signs of the times. Your dreams will be more frequent, more significant than ever. Your penchant for the things of God will compound as he reveals accelerated plans and accelerated timelines. There will be great challenges ahead. Work will accelerate, time will compress, and leaders will be essential. It will be critical to appropriately utilize time, energy, and resources efficiently to lead people and to direct them wisely. And we've been learning that. The ability to to direct a much larger, more complex, sophisticated organization will be imperative. The difference between the sailboat and the ship. Then I went on to pen this. There's a strong wind blowing. One works the helm. Another sets the sails and works the rigging. Throw overboard. In other words, it takes more than us, more than one of us. You don't work alone. You're not going anywhere alone. You're not going anywhere like that without a large crew. Throw overboard the things not of God. We're on a mission. We're on an assignment. There's a strong wind blowing. One works the helm, another sets the sails, and another works the rigging. So more than just one or two or three or four, a whole crew, a big crew. The further you're going to go, the bigger the crew. Throw overboard the things not of God. Our men and women that go overseas on, on extensive missions, they can't take everything with them. Success comes from what you say no to. You're going to have to cut things out of your life, and your people are going to have to cut things out of their life to go the distance with God. We've all had to do it so far. Now we have to teach other people to do that. They have to understand that some things have to go if we're going to go the distance with God. They take their sea bag, they take their weaponry, and that's it. And their uniforms, that's it. They may have a Game Boy, but they don't take the Lazy Boy with them, and they don't have all the equipment and everything. They don't have that and alert and train the right crew now. That's what we've been talking about here, alerting and training the right crew. Put the bow straight into the challenging sea. What does that mean? You don't run from the storms. You don't run from the storms. A sailboat, a sailing vessel, is most unstable when it turns from the wind. It's most stable when it heads right into the wind. And, and, and right head into the storm. 
it's most stable because there's pressure in the sails, the, 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 the boat is moving with speed against the, the surf and the challenging sea, and you have the most control over it. You can tack from port to starboard, but you have most control when you don't, but when you're running from a storm or you're going what they call downwind, you've got the sails out here, because when you're heading into the wind, the vacuum is what propels you forward and the rudder or the centerboard or the keel is what keeps you on course. But when you're running from the wind, that's what they call it, running downwind, then you've got the boom out to the side to catch as much wind as you can. And it pushes you forward, but that's not the fastest way to go, and it's the most unstable because you got all the weight of the sail out here on the side, and the ship just goes like this. So you don't run from the storms. You put your bow straight into the challenging sea and you prepare for uncharted water don't let the sea and the tides determine your course if you don't have a plan that's exactly what's going to happen the future is going to impact you if you don't have a plan if you don't have a course you haven't charted it then the future will impact you're just going to be subjected to the wind and the tides it'll just push you wherever, wherever it will push you take you where you don't want to go so you have to determine your course and you need to be prepared to catch the best wind and the best wind is the spirit of God moving in the spirit so there's sailing and then there's sailing and that that's the first vessel that we saw is just it, it just has a few spars there's a boom there's a mast a couple sails pretty simple but the second one has some 37 spars there. And then that next shot is even a close-up of what it looks like, the rigging. So there's sailing and then there's sailing. So my question to you is how far do you want to go? How many do you want to carry with you? How fast do you want to get there? And how seaworthy is your ship? How seaworthy is your ship? You don't venture out on a, on a long voyage in a cruise without the crew trained and the crew prepared and the crew sufficient. A sufficient crew, not a skeleton crew. Because then when the storms come and the winds whip up and the surf increases, you've you got to have everybody on station in their appropriate station to survive. People running to and fro, serving in four or five different stations in a storm? Doesn't work. So I'm asking you to evaluate your life and your ministry as we enter into strategic planning. Consider the times and ask God. Ask God. And let's talk about asking God here. But let, me, let me say a couple more things. This is, the, this is the blessing. Those who go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters, they have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. That's where his wonders are. Not out here with our toes in the, in the edge of the surf, just testing the water a little bit, but ready to jump back. No, our faith is out there, and that's where we see his wonders in the deep. Many of you took a huge step of faith last night. 
Carol and I are taking a huge step of faith last night. And we're going to see his wonders in the deep. That's what we were taught. We're going to see his wonders in the deep. So we have to chart the course, which is planning to change. We've got to stay the course, which is evaluating change. You cannot go by your feelings. You cannot navigate into God's work by your feelings. Feeling your way forward. You have to have a plan, and you have to know it's God. It's God's plan. You have to hear from God. You have to hear, you have to go to God with all the facts. First step in planning is we have to have a process. So I want to teach you as many of the 15 steps that I can here in the basic training. I, we may get about halfway or two-thirds of the way through. The rest we'll get in advanced trainings. But the f first of the 15 steps is that we have to have a plan. We have to have a process for the plan. In other words, we have to work a planning process. And there's 15 steps to the process. What's imperative is that everybody understands and works the process, not just the A team, not just your team, not just the ELT, and then not just the faithful men here, but everybody, eventually, as you build depth, everybody understands how to work the plan because it's a total involvement process. It involves everybody. The process is total involvement. So the planning process is the same. You're using these same tools now to plan. The same tools where you're gonna use them now. You had to hear these to know how to do them when you're doing strategic planning. Now let me just say this. I'm, I'm covering this today. But if your people don't understand this, there's no sense telling them about strategic planning and how to do that. Because they have to understand, these are the ingredients to doing that. So this is what they have to be taught first. So get them, bring them to the trainings, begin the process of teaching this to best of your ability, get to these interim trainings, get to as many trainings as you can, as fast as you can, and then you be, you're gonna be a better teacher. You're gonna be more capable and competent and, and more puissant. Puissant. You're going to be more puissant, efficacious, potent, strong, powerful, influential. That's what that means. Okay, so step one, number one is we have to establish that there is a process, and it's 15 steps. Step number two is we have to envision. Envision, envision, have a vision or project on our mental screen what it is God wants so that we can communicate it clearly and we can believe that it's going to come to pass because if you can see it, it can come to pass. Amen. So we have to be able to envision it, which is step two. And how we envision is to go to the mountain with God. And so what do we do? Well, I'm going to teach you some things. Look, let me, let, let's be clear. You didn't get this far without knowing how to hear from God. So I don't want to in any way be demeaning. And I don't want to be in any way condescending. But you, because you didn't get this far, you know how to hear from God. But for the 12 years that I've been doing this, and the six years prior to that in ministry, 
18 years, I've learned some things about hearing from God on my own, from other great leaders, from these precious pastors that I work with. I've gleaned so much from them. And so I'm going to share with you the things that I've assimilated that will help you with this process. And I talked to you about questions. So, and I mentioned before, ask God questions. Go to God and ask him questions so you can listen. How do you listen? You've got to ask a question. And that's how, you, that's how you elicit dialogue. That's how you build communication and partnership and relationships so you can ask questions. Well, if you, like what? What questions would you ask God? Well, here's just a few, just to get you jump started. Just so you, before you can envision the future, just, just get an update, judge yourself rightly. Let God talk to you about you because you're the leader into the future. So let, let's let him talk to you first. So ask him these questions. On a scale of one to 10, Lord, maybe do it that way. On a scale of one to 10, Lord, where am I? Relative to what? Where am I in my intimacy with you based on your desire for me personally? Where am I? With my intimacy with you. Am I positioned correctly as a leader to ensure maximum response to your mandates? Because if we're not doing these things, the planning, forget it. You don't need it. It's not going to work until these things. And I'm just giving you a few here just so you understand what I'm talking about. You come up with your own. How effectively and consistently am I executing the five-point CEO job description? As your leader, the core competent leader in, 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 in keeping the core competent leaders you send or imparting or accusing myself, setting an example, modeling to those that you have entrusted to me. How am I doing in ensuring a legacy with the work of yours? By instituting effective succession coaching, a leader pipeline, and a leadership engine. How am I doing? He'll talk to you. He'll tell you. He'll speak to you. In the process of achieving your vision, am I adding value and empowering your people through relationship, partnership, and team building? On a scale of 1 to 10, where am I? In the course of doing your work, where is my love for the people? How close am I to seeing things through your eyes and listening through your ears? Because that's, that's critical. If that's not where it needs to be, we need to fix that before we plan. But when you become the leader that God ordained you to be, then you're going to be able to accomplish the corporate priorities and you're going to be able to accomplish your personal priorities.